You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast, brought to you by NBA 2K23. Myself, Mo Rootsley, alongside me as always, the one, the only, Mr. BJ Armstrong. Oh, you know, there's a lot to dissect in this game. But by the way, real name, no gimmicks. You know, you know, you know know what it is. Um, (laughs) But yeah, let's get into it. First of all, first of all, fascinating game. First of all, I got to say thank you to Adam Silver because we just watched a West Coast game that tipped off at 1.30 a.m. UK time. Usually the Western Conference Finals will be tipping off at 3 a.m. So now I'm getting like one and a half hours extra sleep. So thank you, Adam Silver, the fans in Europe, Africa, Middle East. We all appreciate you. It's all love. And then before we break down the playoffs, as we do here every day, we have another issue to discuss. As the NBA's draft lottery took place tonight, BJ. And there was someone in France who was keeping a close eye. Mr. Victor Wembenyama hosted a launch party with Nike, of course. And uh, a lot of people there. Kylian Mbappe was there. BJ, do you know Kylian Mbappe? Soccer, right? Or football, right? Yeah. I didn't think you'd get that one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know what? You know what? It's funny. I, I I just saw his name. Plays for the French now. I don't know. Plays yeah, for, for yeah, one yeah. of the French teams, right? French national Plays team and Paris Saint Germain. And I was looking. I was looking at the. My wife and I were looking together at the highest paid athletes in the world, and I saw his name there. And mm-hmm. I and I thought I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to spell Killian. So I do know him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that's, so he was there. That's that's awesome. He, he that's that's huge. You know what I mean? That's like that's like. Um... Who's the biggest NFL player? Like Tom Brady being at Scoot Henderson's house tonight for this announcement. That's how big it is, right? So shout out to uh, Wemby uh, and Killian doing their thing over in France. And they were keeping a close eye on the NBA draft lottery. And the ping pong balls came out. And should we give you the top five, I guess? We'll give you the top five because we've got to start yeah, number for five. For sure. You got it. We, 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 we got to do it. Detroit Pistons fell out of the top four. Uh, fell out of the top three that. even. <laughs> Unlucky. But uh, I think they're still in a good place, uh, considering the young core they've got. And number four, Ime Odoka was in attendance, uh, representing the Houston Rockets, looking very stoic and composed as they get a number four pick. The Portland Trailblazers jumped up to grab the number three pick. For a split second there, Damian Lillard had some hopes of playing alongside Victor Wembanyama, but they fell to three, or they, they jumped up to three, should I say. And then... Then it came down to the final two, and I was praying that the Charlotte Hornets got the number one pick because I want to watch them on the East Coast times. But instead, they get number two, and the San Antonio Spurs. I don't know what kind of... Listen, I don't know what kind of magic that they've got going on in San Antonio. This is some Harry Potter spellcasting stuff. Because anytime there's a generational big man in the NBA draft, it seems like they just get him. You got... Right. David Robinson, you got Tim Duncan, and now you're going to get Victor Wembanyama. BJ, what are your thoughts after the draft lottery? Well, you know, Mo, I, I'm a guy who I, I want to see it, so I I'm already going to make my plans to go to Vegas now because I have to see him. And you know, I've you and I were in Paris. Mm-hmm. I went to Vegas to see him play when he came here for the two games. And now I have to see him in the summer league. I, I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal fit for him to think that he'll have 
you know, his mentors will be David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Crazy. And his, Tony Parker yeah, his, from the French side of things. Tony Parker, Boris Diaw, you know, Manu Ginobili, and all of the foreign players who've come through San Antonio. So I think it's an amazing fit for him. His first coach will be a Hall of Fame coach, Greg Popovich. They have an incredible foundation and culture down there. They have a slew of first and second round picks to build. They have cap space. They have everything you need to build around this young man and provide him not just resources with money, but they have a state of the art brand new training facility as well. That costs like 500 million, apparently. Yeah, they have that. But I, I just think they have all of the necessary pieces, right? Whether that's draft picks, you know, money for free agency. They have everything there to allow him to be whoever he's supposed to be. And the most important thing, they have the knowledge, the wisdom, the coaching, the foundation, and all of the things around him. So congratulations to him. Sometimes in life, it just works. It just fits. Well, he seems to have found the perfect fit for him, right? And I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. I'm on the West Coast, so I'll get a chance <laughs> to see him at least, at least, you know, four or five times live in, in person here in L.A. Mm-hmm. I'll get a chance to see him a lot because he's in the Western Conference. And, Mo, when I get back into the league, I'm definitely going to the East Coast because I know – for the next 15 years, <laughs> what's going to happen in the West Coast? So, thanks, Victor, for limiting my choices. back to the East, huh? I got to go back East. Now I got to get back to the snow. I got to get oh, back man. to the cold weather. Uh, no, no, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you what. It's going to be tough in the Western Conference now. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to find a GM job in, in Orlando or Miami or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. The West is spoken for. Okay. 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 So... You know, go east, go east, young man, go east, go east. Okay, well, shout out to the Spurs. They look like they're in a pretty good place. I think a lot of teams, you know, there's going to be a lot of talent coming out of this draft. Um, unfortunately for Chicago Bulls, they've lost their pick. Um, yep, because it was, it was protected, they've lost it, and then to Orlando, uh, right? Didn't they yes, miss it to Orlando? Yes, sir. Yes, the number eleven pick. So Orlando will have number six and number eleven in this draft. That's um, good. That's good for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean. It was going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But let's get back to the business of the NBA playoffs. We saw a thriller over in the Mahai city of Denver as the Denver Nuggets were up absolutely huge against the Los Angeles Lakers, only for the Lakers to come back and make it a very close game. And I I want to say this Mm -hmm. one thing before we break into the game. The timing of John Morant's statement slash apology slash whatever that was being released by Adrian Wojnarowski, you probably haven't heard about it. Because when the Lakers made it a close game and everyone's focused on the game, that's when they decided to release it. It was interesting time and great PR to try and bury it in that kind of new cycle there because it basically sounded like a copy and paste apology from what we've heard before. But aside from that, uh, it was a thrilling game. Went down to the wire almost. The last few possessions were crucial. And what can I say? Nikola Jokic, 34 points, 21 rebounds and 14 assists to lead the Denver mm-hmm. Nuggets to a one nothing mm-hmm. series lead. It wasn't as easy as his stat line may make it sound. And I think 
the mm-hmm. Lakers come away from this one feeling pretty confident and the Nuggets have got a few things to figure out. But what were your takeaways from this game? Well, you know, well, I, 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 first of all, I want to give a huge shout out to Darvin Ham. Okay. Coach Darvin Ham. And the reason being, Mo, is when you see coaches make adjustments on the fly, because as you and I have talked off, off air, it seems like all the time, <laughs> and then we get on air, it's all about making adjustments and finding a matchup. You got to find something, right? Even though you may lose the game in game one, because these game ones are tricky because they are fill-out games. Like, you're just trying to fill out what's what, who's who. And you're trying to make predictions. Sometimes you're wrong. Okay. So they come out and they go small, right? They put Schroeder and they had Austin Reeves on Mike and Porter Jr. And that was clearly a bad matchup. Mm -hmm. Might have felt good in the coaching room. But when they got it, in the game, it was a bad match. It, it felt okay. good because they were shooting like 50% from three. However, they were down by 20 points. Yeah, and but they were small. Yeah, yeah, the yeah rebounding exactly. they disparity was massive. It was like 20 to three at one point. Okay. Yep. Now, Coach Ham could have just stuck with this with his game plan and say, you know what? Hey, chalk it up. Bad loss. Game two. But he does what all good coaches do. Okay. He scraps his game plan and figures out a matchup that they can exploit or at least match up to their size. Because, Mo, you and I guessed, we said, if they bring out someone to guard Jokic other than AD, they can get to a matchup that probably would favor them. We spoke about Rui on the... Okay. I don't know if it's on the show I said I said I thought it was going to be Tristan Thompson or someone else, right? We were, you know... And then... But I never thought Rui could hold him but Rui is strong enough to just stand him up so that when the double team comes you can double team him as we saw your Boston Celtics do you have to double team a big with another big guy so now suddenly Anthony Davis is double teaming him as another big guy brilliant move so I thought wow coach Ham is coaching the game because I was like great here's the thing no one can guard Nikola Jokic no, no one can guard. As great as Anthony Davis is, and he had a great block on him, as great as he is, no one can guard Nikola Jokic, right? So regardless of who you put on him, he's going to either score or make an assist if you come and double-team him, right? So it doesn't actually matter. As crazy as it sounds, it doesn't actually matter who's guarding him. So by putting Rui Hachimura on him, who's got you know similar strength and a bit of size that can kind of hold it down, you allow Anthony Davis to roam off the ball. Now... By doing that, anytime the Joker makes a move to the basket, he's there to shut that down. And he's there as a help defender. If the Joker makes a pass to a player who's going to attack off the perimeter, he's also in the lane to shut that down. Now, the one thing that confused me, if we're going to straight away get into the technical side of things, is they had Andy Davis, instead of guarding Jokic, guarding Aaron Gordon. Now, Aaron Gordon spent a lot of time then standing in the dunker spot which I believe is a big reason for the Lakers being able to get back into this game because the Denver offense really grounds up a hole for a stretch there in the fourth quarter. If Anthony Davis is guarding you, even if you're not a confident three-point shooter, because we saw a lot of times them leaving Aaron Gordon wide open on three-point line, he was zero from three from behind the arc. But even if you're not confident, it's imperative that you get out of the dunker spot to take Anthony Davis out of the paint. If you go to the three-point line and Anthony Davis stays in the paint, that's going to be a three-second call on him. 
And at some point, if you're confident you keep taking those shots, you're going to hit some, right? If you're Aaron Gordon, Anthony Davis guarding you, I'd like to see him either stretch the floor, but more than that, I'd like him to either be the screener. So go set a screen for Jokic when he's got the ball at the top and get Anthony Davis switched onto Jokic or set a screen for Jamal Murray. Or if you're being guarded like a non-shooter, like we see Draymond Green being guarded, get the ball and turn it into a dribble handoff that will turn into a... If you run a dribble handoff with Michael Porter Jr., that's an easy open three every single time down. So there's a few adjustments that Denver can make to that defensive, um, new defensive lineup that the Lakers are putting out. So I think as great as that move is for Darvin Ham, there is adjustments that Mike Malone can make going into the next one. Whether he sees them or not, whether he agrees with me or not, that's besides the point. But there are definitely adjustments to make. I know the Lakers have found something but I don't think that that alone is going to shut down the series. I think the Lakers can win the next game, but you know, there are counters to what they've done with that. Here's what I found most interesting from the game. Even when the Lakers were down, they shot a phenomenal percentage on the road in Denver. They were shooting from the three. They were, they were shooting fantastically and they finished this game shooting 46% from behind the arc, 55% overall. They only turned the ball over seven times. But at the end of the day, the big disparity here is the rebounding. 36 rebounds to 51. And 21 of them are grabbed. You would think it's Kavon Looney, but no, it's actually Nikola Jokic. That's the difference, is both teams shot a great percentage. They shot almost the same percentage-wise. But the Denver Nuggets just simply had more possessions because of the work on the glass. So that's the more concern to me, is how do the Lakers address that rebounding difference rather than just the defense on Jokic? Well, I, I think one of the things you, you have to consider, you know, why they won the game is because of rebounding, right? One of the principles of a sound offense is always have good offensive rebounding position. And that is the problem, in my humble opinion, with having a five, a five-out offense because you, it doesn't allow you to rebound on the offensive end. So I I get it. Many coaches have abandoned the principles, the sound principles of a sound offense by saying, we're going to just shoot threes because three is worth more than two. However, when you add it up at the end of a game, rebounding and offensive rebounding, you know, that's one of the winning trademarks of any good team. So as much as I would like to put five guys to, to do that, I want to get the offensive rebound because that's a that just deflates the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rebounding to me is way more important than putting guys out. So I I personally don't think they have to make any adjustments with their offense. I think defensively is where I see the the biggest. You're, you're also talking about Denver right now. I'm talking about Denver. Denver yeah. now. What the Lakers found out was... Yeah, I, I mean, just before that, I was asking how the Lakers can address the lack of rebounding. Well, the, the, the Lakers have... They've addressed it. They 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 put Rui Hachimura on, on Jokic. You, 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 now, instead of just this being a late third quarter thing when you're down 21 or whatever they were down, now you can address that earlier in the in the shot clock. I think... Okay. So you think that will carry through starts. to... Yes, I think now they know there's something that they can go to. 
So now how sustainable is it? Because Jokic is probably going, they're probably going to figure out where to put Jokic on the floor differently if they decide to go to Rui. Okay. They didn't abandon their offense because of Rui, but you can see that the lineups of having LeBron on Michael Porter Jr. Now you got size on size. You have Anthony Davis on uh, the kid. Uh, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. Okay. And Rui is just strong enough to, to hold the initial thrust because it's not like he's going to blow by anybody. He's going to power through. And when he does power through, he shoots flip shots. Well, if he's shooting flip shots and Anthony Davis is there, it's a little different than flip shots and Austin Reeves is there. So the I think six, that's a, the six possessions which Rui guarded um, Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic uh, was 0-2 and he turned the ball over twice during that span. Yeah, so In so, comparison okay. to Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis guarded him 15 times and um, Jokic went 10 of 13 from the field. So shout out to Rui Hachimura and the impact of Anthony Davis so, being yeah, off they, the ball. They, they found something. Now on the other end is where the Lakers on the other end is where I should say the Lakers found something and Denver has a serious issue. Because on one hand, you have the offense of Jamal Murray, but it's clearly they've targeted Jamal Murray. And he was in foul okay. trouble as well. Yeah. So th- th- now if, if there's an issue to me that has to be addressed by Denver, that's it. Because if they're going to target one of your primary players, you have to have a counter to support him. And the counter is either we're going to double or we're going to have to make a substitution because we know Bruce Brown is a better defensive player. However, you're going to give up something on the offensive end. That to me is going to be the delicate balancing act for coach Malone here in game two, because if they can get game two and stabilize that situation there without question, they can win one game, maybe two in LA. If -hmm. they, if they can, if they can stabilize that situation, and that's a big – you always have to stabilize defensively. And when you're getting attacked and you know the other team can't stop you, that is a major problem because now that puts pressure on you offensively to just outscore the other team. Mm-hmm. The Lakers now know they can do something. They can't stop Jokic. But, however, they've shown the ability to at least force him to do something else to where he just can't come down and just score willingly. But on the other hand, the Lakers found something. And that, to me, just goes to Coach Ham because now he can bring out the tape tomorrow because tomorrow's going to be a day off, and then they're going to play again on Thursday, and he can say, hey, fellas, if we can put together for this for 48 minutes, we can win this game. And he's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for game two. This game two is going to be a very, I think, contested game because mentally everyone has to be sharp. You know, you win game one and there's, a, you know, sometimes you can feel like a, you know, like a little relief or you can feel calm or you can or the other team is depleted. Well, right now, the Lakers should feel good about their situation. Yeah. And I'm really excited for game two. I, I don't think that the Nuggets can really like I get that they won. But at one point during this game, you were up 21. And, you know, the, you ended up winning by just a couple of possessions. So I think they definitely need to lock in and focus. Looking at some of the other players, though, Contavious Caldwell-Pope had a huge game with 21 points. Jamal Murray obviously had 31. 
Um, Michael Porter Jr. at 15, Aaron Gordon 12, and Bruce Brown came off the bench with 16 points. For the Lakers, though, Anthony Davis had 40 points, and he had a three. Uh, we don't see that very often. Uh, LeBron had 26, 12, and 9. Austin Reeves had 23. He was huge. The late, uh, the Nuggets as well, there was a stretch where Austin Reeves had back-to-back possessions where it was a simple screen and pop to the to the wing. The the Nuggets were switching that screen roll and Jokic was just too slow to get out. They've got to figure out that coverage as well on there because that was exploited heavily. Rui had 17 points as well to go with it. So there's a lot of a lot of things for the Nuggets to think about moving forwards, even though they did win game one on their home court. But speaking of game one, BJ, tomorrow or tonight, we have the Eastern Conference Finals tipping off in yet again. The Miami mm. Heat and the Boston Celtics for like, is this the third time mm. in four years, I believe? Um, mm-hmm. I want to get, first of all, your pick, and then we'll break it down a little bit. Well, well I'm going opposite of you, of course. You know, you're going to pick the Miami Heat in four, and, and I'm going to pick, you know, your former team, the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I'm going <yeah. laughs> to... <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to pick all, your former team. Yeah. They're not my former team. They're always my team. Um, oh, okay. Second of all, Heat and Six. Don't ask me why. Okay. I'm just saying it. Um, let's actually break it down. Let's actually break it down, though, um, because these teams met in the bubble and whatnot, but the rosters look very different. Um, you seem quite confident about the Celtics. Tell me why. It, it, you have two guys, Tatum and Brown. I don't, I don't see, I don't see players that they can match up with. Okay, Jimmy Butler. Okay, I, I think he can clearly match up with one, but he can't guard both of them. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I don't see that defensively. This is going to favor the Celtics. Why? Because Kevin Love. And bam, that's not a favorable matchup versus Rob Williams and Al Horford. It I intrigues the, me Kevin Love's ability to space the floor, unlike a PJ Tucker forcing the Celtics defense to stretch out. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm I'm okay with. I I I think Rob Williams and Bam, that's a good matchup, and Al Horford, and I don't think Kevin Love is going to play enough minutes to do that. But maybe he does. If if you were Joe Mazzulla, would you go back to having Derek White in a starting lineup and making? Kevin Love kind no, of unplayable. I'm, saying, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm always about my defense first. I'm going to establish defensively I can stop you. Well, I, I, the formula I mean, is simple. Derek for me. White is an all NBA defensive player. Yeah, he's an all <laughs> defensive player. But okay, Derek White is not going to stop Jimmy Butler one on one. So we can throw that out the window. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm not into. Very, very rarely do you find guards outside of like Marcus Smart. Or the the kid for uh, the the uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, um, Drew, Holiday. Drew Holiday. Very rarely do you find kids who can stay in front of their guys without fouling and has the strength to do that. Derek White, I think he can block shots, but I don't think I, he's not a he's not gonna shut down. You know that's other kid, and 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 we know that those are good matchups for him. You know when. when when Duncan Robinson and these guys come in, those are good matchups for him. However, I want to establish that I can defend, rebound, and I'm going to force them to double-team me with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I'm going to force them. 
Mm-hmm. Like they, Jimmy Butler can't guard everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, their biggest and the athletic player is going to have to get in some form of rotation during this course of this game. Why? Because Jalen Brown is either going to have a matchup or Jason Tatum. And if Jimmy Butler gets in foul trouble, to me, it's game over. Now, is Jimmy Butler capable of having a 15-point game? Yeah, he's capable. But I don't even think that's enough in this series, in this game, because yeah. of the the lethal combination. So, And then let's not forget about our good friend Brogdon. Let's not forget about our good friend, you know, Derek. Well, the Blake. last time that these guys played each other with Tatum and Brown both healthy, the Miami Heat took the win in overtime, 120 to 116. And Jason Tatum really struggled in that game with only 14 points, but Jalen Brown went off for 37. So I guess it's kind of a pick your poison here for Miami in terms of yeah, which it, one of those guys who who's going to actually match up with those guys. And then the thing I think about as well for Miami as they get deeper into the playoffs is you got to remember they are missing. Tyler Arrow, who provides instant offense off the bench, meaning that Jimmy Butler doesn't have to be relied on so much. And Victor Oladipo as well, who's an experienced playoff performer. So I wonder how much that will factor into it. Um, I would need to see more aggression from Bam Adebayo on the offensive side of the ball. You know, talking about that game where they beat the Celtics, he had 28 points. And, you know, that's the level that Bam Adebayo needs to be on, in my opinion. Um you know, for them to make life really, really difficult. And, you know, the impact of Carl Lowry, we talked about so much in the last series. You know, you mentioned it there. I think Brogdon is a great kind of matchup for him in terms of a more experienced guard compared to what the Knicks were offering. Um, if you were looking at the Miami Heat, what would be your strategy to kind of slow down the the two stars in Boston? Well, they're going to have to slow the game. They're going to have to slow the pace down. They don't want to get into an up and down matchup with this team. They're going to have to really take care of the ball, limit their turnovers, and try to control the game with their offense, meaning run when you have an advantage. Otherwise, let's run our offense and be very, um, you know, they, you, they, they want to be very, you know, not, 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 they just want to, they, they want to go out there and say, okay, we're going to play very methodical basketball. And we're going to make sure that we at all times can get to the free throw line and have five, five against five, especially on the defensive end. I just don't think they have much room for error. It's not to say that they can't do it. However, Mo, I think if the game is played and that, and that the, the, the Celtics, which I, I expect them to do this. I expect them to force the tempo of the game by extending their defense. They're going to get into them, you know, Gabe Vincent and 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 company, they're gonna and you know Kyle Lowry and those guys, and you're gonna force them to play at a pace they don't want to play at. Why? They just don't have the numbers to do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think they're just gonna have to really, really be very methodical. I think they're gonna just have to go out there and play, play at a slower pace, and and not try to get into track meet with this team. Is that? I, I think that's very difficult to do, especially is there anything at home. That- you know, Eric Spolster can throw at them from his his well, he, bag of tricks. He, listen, I don't think that I, I don't think there's anything you can do. You can't match up now. Do I think they can win a game? Yeah, yeah. You know, you can win a game, but you're talking about you got to beat this team four out of seven times. I think that's tough with this group. It's anything is possible. That's why you got to play. However, I think it's going to be 
very, very tough as I look at it without a minute being played. Now, maybe we find out there's a matchup that we don't know about. Like we saw tonight with Rui Archimar. Like that wasn't one I was counting on. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. But I can ex- I can assure you this. Coach Bolster is going to throw everything at him but the kitchen sink. He has a he's going to have an answer for him. And he's going to force them to beat him. Now that that, that I know. Heat culture is going to come out and compete. They're going to play hard. They're going to give themselves a chance. And you're going to say, good game plan. They're going to have everything that's necessary. They will be prepared for the game. I just think at some point, the talent will overcome this. And right now, as I look at it on paper, the Boston Celtics have more talent than the Miami Heat as we enter into the you know Eastern Conference uh, Finals. Well, my concern is this. We know that even though they may be less talented on paper, the Miami Heat are going to play hard and stay disciplined no matter what, thanks to their coaching and whatnot. We also know that the Boston Celtics are what many refer to as an unserious team. Do they have the mental focus to stay locked in from the get-go? Or will, if they are favorites to win this, will they do what they did in the previous two series and make life much harder for themselves by taking their foot off the gas when they're up or not you know, respecting your opponent how they should because they took the Hawks to six games. The Sixers took them to seven games. And so now it's like, okay, cool, you know, play around with your food and whatnot. But if you actually really are serious about making the NBA Finals winning a championship, you can't have those mental lapses and you can't have those stretches of not scoring or where the offense looks like nothing's happening and it's just Jalen and Jason taking it in turns to kind of shoot. Uh, that's the concern for me. Because you know the Miami Heat are like a well-oiled machine. Well, you got the Miami Heat in six, so why are you concerned? Um, you know, just I'm concerned for you and your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems real odd. I mean, that was an odd analysis. You know what I mean? Like, why are why? you concerned? You have the Heat in six. Yeah, I, I'm concerned for the Boston Celtics. Oh, okay. All right. I just, just I, it could be concerned on both it. sides. Uh looking at it from their perspective, you know, analysis, you've got to be able to analyze things from both perspectives of the court, you know? Okay. But okay. All right. We got to see, we got to see what happens. We got to see what happens. <laughs> Who's winning game one. I I, I already told you. <laughs> I got the Celtics every game. <laughs> oh, what? You got the Celtics <laughs> in a sweep. I got the Celtics. I think the Celtics are the better team. Now, it's not to say they're going to win every game. You got to come out and do it. I got the Celtics winning. Okay. I got the Celtics winning. You know, I I, I I think they are the better team in this series on paper. But, okay, let's play. Let's see. Jimmy Butler is going to come out and have something to say about it. Bam is going to come out. Spole's going to have a game plan. And they're going to play. I mean, those guys are going to compete. Mm-hmm. Now, the Celtics, you know, listen, they, they responded in game seven. Big. I think the Celtics are ready. I think they are ready right now. Do you think that game seven finally woke them up, so to speak? I, I don't think it, it's human nature. Like it's. People like we, we compare these things and say what we want to happen. This is the NBA. Like these guys are really, really good. They're not just a little bit good. They're really good. So 
we say these things, but I don't think anyone believes it when we say it. But let's say it just for the sake of saying it. The hardest game in a series is the closeout game. That's mm-hmm. the hardest game. That's 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 the hardest game. Now, what we have seen is the Celtics, like all teams, have a very difficult time closing out games. I'm more I'm concerned serious. with the Celtics being up 3-0 and closing out the game because if there's anything that they haven't done with the consistency is very rarely do they close it out on the first time. They need like a second or even a third time. They need to go down in order to start playing serious because yeah, they're yeah, an unserious team. That, I, I don't think it's unserious. I just know it's very hard to do. Like, you're up 3-1, and the other team is like, well, I don't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 that's very, very difficult to do. That's why when you see these great closers in, in, in the NBA, you have to admire it because they make it look easy. Closing someone out is a hard – because the other person has nothing to lose. So it's two people you don't want to play, a desperate team, and a team that has nothing to lose. Like, if it's 1-1, okay, now everyone has something to lose, something to win. It's game seven. But 3-1 at home, everyone's there to see you win. And then here's the worst part, Mo. Here's the worst part. The balloons are hanging at the top of the arena. Yeah. They're, they're, waiting, for, they're waiting for them to drop. Yeah, now, now, now. I don't know what part of it is for you to have that level of focus. So you're playing against a team and they look up and they see the same balloons that you're seeing. Like it they see the confetti. Of, of they the see Sixers, the confetti too. Do you remember when the Sixers <laughs> dropped the confetti thinking they'd won the game, but it was actually going to overtime and they ended up this losing. Is what, this is what, that this was is one what of I'm my saying. favorite games ever. So so I know how hard that is. Now everyone can sit here and go, they're not serious. I don't like, come on, man, give me a break. Like, I don't need any bulletin board material trying to close these guys out. They look up and see all the confetti. Well, why do they have confetti after all? Because they're about to win. These guys, because these guys have pride too. Okay. You know mm-hmm. what? So that to me is hard. It's like, you know, everyone loves to talk trash, but so I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Celtics. What I do think, what I do think is that. You know, they, they when, when it's time to respond, they respond. So yeah. I'm giving the Celtics credit. And so far, it's worked for them. Does it make us nervous? Absolutely. Is it fun because they've won? Absolutely. Fun for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've picked them to lose anyway, so it doesn't matter I for you. I picked them but to for lose us, everything. For us who enjoy competitive basketball games, it's incredible. I'll say I mean, for it's, us. It's, it's incredible. Um, well, yeah, you 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 picked them to lose. You you. you I did, you, I did, I did. Yeah, yeah. Heat culture so. hashtag heat culture. They, I mean, they got Adonis Haslam on the bench. He'll wear his hoodie, throw some chairs. It's huge. Heat culture hashtag. Um, we we got to talk about one more thing before we go here. Um, after the game seven win against the Philadelphia 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers are making some changes. They have fired head coach Doc Rivers. BJ, mm. I know that you might be the biggest Doc Rivers fan possibly in the world. So yes. what was your reaction yes. to this? Well, you know, I, I, I was very disappointed. And 
because Doc Rivers is a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. And he's a Hall of Fame coach. He has over a thousand wins in this league. And and look, part of the business of being in the public eye is you're you know, you 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 you're subjective to criticism, as you should be, right? Um, you know, he's you know, he's had his fair share of wins, he's had his tough defeats. But you know what? Any coach, any coach would love to have the opportunity to coach and play in the games, big games. Sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. However, you know, I just thought this year, the way they played, you know, it was just a tough, it was, it was a tough year for them, right? You know, Joel comes to camp, you know, I, I just, it was just a tough year for them. This, this year, I thought Doc did as well a job coaching this team as you could possibly do. Like this year I, I in the playoffs, in the playoffs, this was the best I've seen Doc Rivers coach in a very long time, and this is the year he gets fired. Like it, I don't think he did a bad job. He, I think he did a very good job in the playoffs, but his star players just didn't show up. But we're not going to go down that rabbit hole once again. But I thought he put together a good strategy. You know, swept the first round, took the Celtics to seven games. You know, and beating hard and make some shots. You're in the conference finals, so it's tough. But obviously, they've got Daryl Morey there, and you know, my bet would be on him bringing in his guy Mike D'Antoni and begging James Harden to stay, and then the inevitable trade request for Embiid, who ends up in Miami, and da 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 da. I don't know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. I think the three teams with the most wins since the 2020 2021 season, the Bucks, the Suns, and the Sixers, are now all without their head coaches. It's crazy. And then like the other yeah, thing, I, like the I, last four I just hope of Doc, the last yeah. five coaches of the years have been fired too. I just hope I just I, I just hope this, you know, is you know, being in this business for as long as I have now and being in a position, a leadership position, you know, for those of us who know Glenn Doc Rivers and know him well, and I've been fortunate to know him for quite some time. He's a defensive oriented coach first. Okay. And when you give him a team that represents his true personality, okay, which is, you know, players like Tony Allen, players hey, like Rajon Rondo, Rondo, players like Kevin Garnett, players like Paul Pierce, players like Ray Allen. And you surround him with players that fit his true personality. Not the compromising where we're playing isolation basketball on well, offense. The, the bad news mm-hmm. is, BJ, I don't know many players in the league right now who no, no, fit no, those no, personalities no, no. of okay. those guys. There, 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 there are, believe it or not, Mo, there are teams. There are teams that fit that. Okay, your 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 core of who you are. That's who you have to be, right? You, you the, you, we had an example tonight, the L.A. Lakers. They didn't get back because their offense was just like superior. They got back in the game because their half court defense. Unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. Like Mo, in the end, the game always reverts back to what it is. Right. The Boston Celtics. Why did they advance? Defensively, they got back to who they were. When you look at the Miami Heat, who are they? They're not going to overwhelm you with just like a three-point barrage of shooting. No, they're they're solid on that end of the floor. The Denver Nuggets. Every team always reverts back to who they really are 
when you start trying to play winning basketball, the, the, I told you this and I'm not going to say it again. Cause I, it's like, I, you know, doc rivers is a defensive oriented coach and listen, James Harden is a terrific offensive player. He really is. I mean, you can't argue what he can do playing the way he plays, his style. Doc can't say it, but let me say it. Doc Rivers is a defensive-oriented coach. Doc Rivers wants to stop you first and foremost. He wants to play with a solid, you know, brand of basketball on the offensive end and this team just didn't fit him philosophically now it may fit Duro more and that's okay too it's not yeah. to say one way is better one way is worse but also mo part of being a good coach like when you look at spolstra eric spolstra is what kind of coach mo a genius <laughs> he's a defensive oriented coach that's true but he is fantastic offensively plays, also. He he plays absolutely. Okay. None of his guys hold the ball for 15 dribbles on an offensive possession and, and does that. Yeah. I've never seen one of his guys not hustle back on defense. I've never seen one of his guys not give second, third, fourth effort. I've never seen a Miami Heat player come to camp overweight. That's Pat Riley on that one. Okay. Mo, let me tell you something. If let's say, let's say the rumor is true, Joel MB is going to go, let's say he does go to Miami. Well, I can assure you this. He's going to lose about 25, 30 pounds immediately. Maybe I should join the Miami Heat. Whatever you need to do, Mo, you do <laughs> what you need to do. <laughs> so you can do what you want to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But but I'm just saying, I've never seen a Miami Heat player not in, you know, here's the core of, you know, Pat Riley gave me this and it stuck with me. Here's the core to me, which should be every franchise's mantra, if you will. We're going to be the hardest working team, the best conditioned team, the toughest team mentally and physically, and we're going to be the most unselfish team in the entire NBA. Okay. It Mo, sounds that's so their simple. mantra. It sounds so it, simple. It, Mo, 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 it's, it's non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the, Mo, I can assure you tomorrow night or tonight for you, the Miami Heat, you're not going to outwork the Miami Heat. You're not going to be in better condition for them. Like tonight, you, you know, they're going to run back on defense every single time. They're going to give you effort. Now, if you make better plays and you're, you execute. Okay, I can live with that. Everybody can live with that. They're going to be the hardest working, the best condition. They're not going to be afraid mentally or physically of the contact. Let me assure you that. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, the the New York Knicks found that out, right? They bullied <laughs> Cleveland. Yep. And then you're not going to bully them. Okay. They're not going to crack under pressure because they're mentally weak. That's not happening. And they're going to be unselfish. I can assure you, Jimmy Butler is going to make the right play and the right pass, even though he's the best player and has a green light. I can assure you all of those things. I can before the game starts. 
That's the pillar. Those are the four pillars of their foundation. When the people talk about we're going to build culture, how are you going to win, Mo, when the other team outworks you? How are you going to win, Mo, when you're mentally weak? How are you going to win, Mo, when you're not even in the proper condition? How are you going to win, Mo, when your best players don't even pass the ball because they're selfish? They're getting up shots. So if you understand culture, like everyone, you hear that word all the time. Oh, our culture is good. Mo, that's culture. Mm -hmm. That's Mo. That's that's when you think of when you think of the Golden State Warriors, they work hard. They're in great condition. They're unselfish. And they're they're a good team. The L.A. Lakers were just better than them. Yeah, they didn't beat them because they outworked them. They didn't beat them because they didn't meet the physicality of the game. They didn't beat them because they weren't playing. They weren't playing unselfish. I mean, they were because they were playing selfishly. Yeah. The Lakers were just better. Now, that's the core of who who every team should be. Like, Mo, if we're playing in a, in a pickup game, like, Mo, if I'm open, pass me the ball. If you're open, Mo, I'm going to pass you the ball. What's wrong with that? Like, that's not hard to do. So mm -hmm. that's that's what I see. And, and like I said, I, I, I think sometimes it's challenging for players and teams to play that way. All right, I'll agree with that. That's why you practice. That's why you have film sessions to remind people of how and why you need to play in the manner in which we need to play. If we're going to advance. I hear it. Well, that's the Hoop Juice podcast for today. We'll be back tomorrow with a breakdown of the Celtics and the heat and what unfolds. And I'm pretty sure there'll be more NBA drama to fill your timelines and to fill your airways. Oh, well, I was so thinking you were going to come back with you. You're kind of, you were kind of, you're kind of easy on me today. I mean, you're all right. Everything's okay. I'm just waiting to see what happens tomorrow. Oh, I'm just okay. you're saving I'm just, up for the Celtics. I'm just waiting you're, to see what happens. You're saving tomorrow. up for the for the Heat when the Heat yes. win by 25 tomorrow. No, it'll be a close one. Oh, it'll, it'll be, be a close it'll one. be a okay. close one. The emotional okay. high of the game seven will lead to the Mammy Heat who have been plowing on this a little while longer. Um, but we'll see, BJ. We'll see. I mean, it was a great game, the Denver Nuggets and the and the Lakers. I mean, it was fantastic. I think you know the the whole thing with Doc Rivers on on that side. Um, it, it's obvious Daryl Morey has wanted Mike D'Antoni to be that coach ever since he got there. He didn't hire Doc Rivers. He was there when he got there, and he needed a reason to get rid of him. Um, so I'm, I can't say I'm surprised by that. I will be surprised though if James Harden does stay, or you know I won't be surprised if the Sixers offer him that contract. The draft lottery is what intrigues me the most now because you've got some teams here who obviously the Spurs are going to take one by the armor, right? Um, but then you've got the Hornets who've got the number two pick. They're going to take Scoot Henderson. How's he going to fit with the Ball? Is that going to work? Are we just basically seeing part two of the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young to Jante Murray with with the Ball and uh, Scoot Henderson? I don't know. Um, the Portland Trailblazers, do they trade that number three pick and Anthony Simons to get another start to put next to Dame Lillard? Or do they trade Dame Lillard for one of these draft picks? You know, the Houston Rockets were talking about trading Jalen Green. Do they trade maybe for Damian Lillard and Portland have picks number three and four in the draft? Who knows? The Detroit Pistons, who are they going to pick at number five? Do they try and move up a little bit to get the player that they really want? The Orlando Magic have got two picks in the lottery. Like It's so fascinating to me. I've just been in my head thinking about all of these possibilities of things that are going to unfold right here in the NBA because the draft is only about a month away as well. So uh, just over a month. So we've got a lot to talk about, BJ. We've got a lot to talk about. Appreciate everybody who tunes I'm, in. I'm all for it. 
Yes, sir. Appreciate everyone who tunes in. We'll be breaking down and getting technical tomorrow with more of the NBA playoffs. And most importantly, until next time, subscribe to the show, leave a like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And most importantly, get buckets. <laughs>